0: Yet another episode of Henry Western's Old Mate, the podcast. I, we are very fortunate. We are joined by Dave Wilbur, a.k.a. the turfgrass seller from all the way over in the USA. So I'm recording late afternoon. Dave's recording in the morning. Before we get over and meet Dave, um, please just like, rate and review us. I've been looking at some analytics. Uh, I get that on my weekly feedback when I publish podcasts. And only about 50% of people who are listening to the episodes are actually subscribing. So if we could up that number a little bit, it would be absolutely great. We don't try and make any money from this podcast, but we too try and get it out there. So the more of you subscribe, the more other people might get to listen to what hopefully is another interesting podcast. Dave Wilber, turf grass legend, really. Um, firstly, thank you for joining me. Secondly,
1: how are you doing sir? Hi. Hi Stuart. How are you? Man, I'm I'm uh excited to be here and uh it is early here. Uh yesterday we had uh oh, almost a foot of snow here. So oh, it's wow. It's like a great day to be in the house.
0: <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yeah so I'm not so it's not struggling it's, I'm with you. Yeah, we're, we're currently in the UK. We're currently experiencing bubbling temperatures that are four or five degrees above average and you've had a foot of snow. I was actually speaking to Peter McCormick last week and he was having some snow mm-hmm. issues where he is down towards Vermont, I think. Um, Dave, um, we're going to talk a bit about you personally and we want to focus this chat in the direction of mental health because i know you've been very open across both your twitter profiles um that you run uh, and you you offer some wonderful insights into your daily i don't know if battles are the word but your daily issues with potential mental health and you've been quite outspoken about some issues within the turf gas industry um but before we get on to that you have such a long and esteemed career within turf. I think we should touch on that because the majority of people tuning in to listen to this will be from the turf grass industry. So I'm not going to do too much. You moved from superintendent into turf grass consultant and you've done everything all over the world. But if you'd be so kind, if you could give us a brief ish history <laughs> resume of who you are within turf. And then we will get on. I will ask you a few turf related questions and then we'll move towards mental health. I think, Dave.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of a short story story. Really, I kind of boil it down to the elevator speech. Um, I grew up in the mountains of Colorado, not far from where I am sitting right now. Uh, my family was involved in the horse and cattle operation there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we also owned a, a small restaurant. So my father, Grew up in the culinary arts. My mom was more of an agricultural background person, and so it was a really interesting experience growing up there. But I knew pretty early on that I wasn't gonna become a cattle rancher, you know? <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't feel that lifestyle was gonna be my thing. And so um, I think I was about to turn 15, and I met the guy who was building a golf course just down the road from where we lived, and. I was fascinated by this guy, you know, he just was seemed, seemed like a really unique individual. And, um, and he said, you know, do you want a summer job? So I took a summer job with him and uh, I had no idea what I was gonna, well, I had some options, what to do with my life, you know, some clear from engineering to, you know, to some agriculture things, to who knows, musician, you know, there were all these things on the table. And I was sitting with Mike Kozak, that superintendent one day, and he said, what are you gonna do with your life? And I kind of went, I don't know. And I said, you know, I'm a kid from a small town in Colorado. I want to see the world. You know, that's what I want to do. But I don't necessarily want to do it military wise or whatever. And he's like, you know, he he, he says, "There's not a place on the globe that you can't throw a pin at that isn't a golf course." Yeah. Yeah. He says you should really think about turf grass management. And I was like, really? That's like a thing, you know? And and uh, a few weeks later dr butler from colorado state university visited the property you know with us and he just was a fascinating guy and i thought this is it this is what i'm gonna do you know wow and um so that's kind of, so i knew early on you know i was like i was into it and uh uh so i attended um i attended a small junior college first and then because i had a rodeo scholarship <laughs> and i wanted to see, i wanted to see if pro rodeo cowboy was going to be a thing and it wasn't probably going to be a thing. So then, uh, then attended Colorado State and, uh, you know, did the internship thing and all that sort of stuff. And I ended up getting, uh, an assistant superintendent's job in the Denver area pretty early on. Cause, you know, back in the day, back in the eighties, you know, that's how it happened. It happened fast for lots right. of people, you know, and it's always been a young man's, you know, or young person's game, I should say. And, uh, so I took an assistant superintendent's position and about, Oh, I don't know. Two months after I was there, the superintendent got another job (laughs) and the director of, of golf operations said, you know, do you want a shot? And I was too stupid to say no. (laughs) Yeah. good. (laughs) So, So I was a golf course superintendent when I was, you know, just, I had just turned 21.
0: Wow.
1: And I was at one of Denver's, it was a 27 hole, uh, you know, public facility, one of Denver's biggest and, and, uh, most most played facilities you know yeah. and i and i cut my teeth really hard in public golf and busy public golf like you know guys lined up at the gate at 4 in the morning to get a casual tee time <laughs> yeah. public golf yeah. and uh, so anyway i i uh i spent 7 years to as a golf course superintendent and i was working in northern california i had taken a job at a private club in northern california and we decided that we were going to be uh pesticide free at wow. this place
0: yeah, this, is, this is in the 80s or into the 90s nowadays
1: yeah we're, we're just 1990 we're just yep. like right at 1990 and uh just a couple hours from from san francisco you know okay. kind of place and uh i thought you know what this is the perfect opportunity to kind of put some of the um you know my my grandfather my uncles my cousins and everybody were all involved in in uh citrus farming okay. and they're pretty progressive people. And I was, and we would sit around and talk and I would kind of get um, a lot of the sustainable agricultural type things that they were talking about, you know, and, and my uncle was in Arizona, was very big in the water scene. He was huge on what he was on several water commissions and you know, he knew water was gonna be the big deal in the yeah. desert, Right? Uh, was an innovator, brought some drip systems and things like that to citrus. And you know, was fascinated by all that and uh so I thought well it's time to innovate and I so I started to know I started down the road of no pesticides um not necessarily to say well I'm not doing pesticides I, I started down the road of I want to be more sustainable I want to be more eco I want to yeah. be I want to think and I would say this is kind of Amish turf grass farming you know this is this is the old school way to do it it's the way that we would have run our cattle it's that you know um all that stuff and uh and we were successful you know things went really really well and I was starting to get phone calls from all over and I was you know, you know a lot of people wanted to know what I was up to what I was doing a lot of people were skeptical which I didn't care
0: you know yeah, I mean I want this if I can just interrupt Dave obviously sure it's, it would be good to if you can cast your mind back then because I know now certainly in the UK and I'm, I assume globally as as a lot of fungicides are coming off the market and in the the UK, since we've left Europe, if you were, but we're still governed by certain laws, and there's there's a big bar yeah. about what we can and can't use and people who have gone fungicide pesticide free, they're getting a lot of hit back in a negative way from from other. Yeah within the industry how did you find it i mean obviously golf in 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 the states you'd have wherever you were you know told where you were based you'd have had neighboring golf courses how did fellow superintendents react to your approach because i would imagine probably there would have been a lot of negative response but i might be wrong
1: (laughs) well to say there was a lot of negative would be would be putting it mildly (laughs) i should say um and my place was my place was out of the way a little bit and you know, kind of private and, and there was a lot of second homes from people from San Francisco, okay. you know, where I was. And, uh, a lot of them were members at Olympic club, right. San Francisco club, the California golf club, you know, those kind of places. Right. You know, so they were, you know, some of them, even from Monterey, you know, from Pebble beach area and, uh, they knew golf. Some of them knew golf really well. And, uh, You know, at first, I think they were real excited. You know, hey, here's our here's our new fresh face greenkeeper. You know, I was a lot more clean cut and happening (laughs) then. You know, and you know, I I really was. I was interested in the politics of our business. I was on the board for the superintendent's association. You know, I was involved. Right, I was deep into it, and it was my life and my world. and And I think we're gonna get to that in a minute because it it, that positive ended up kind of being a negative. You know, that that deep depth of immersion. But at the time, you know, that's all I knew how to do was work. Okay. And I came from a working family, working family background, you know. So long days were nothing. Uh, you know, this is what you do, right? It's the season. You you kick ass. And uh, yeah. um, but what I didn't expect was um, I again, I had a lot of a lot of had a lot of interest from fellow superintendents, but they were also like, you know, don't tell any of these members that you're doing this. I remember going to a USJ Green Section meeting in the Golf course super, superintendent from the San Francisco Club walked up to me, introduced himself. A really great guy, Bob Kleinsaker, a good friend. And he said, "Hey, I've been hearing a little bit about you. Don't <laughs> don't tell him too much, right?" <laughs> That's how he said it. And I'm like, "Okay, well, whatever." And he says, "You're doing. You're really doing the no pesticide thing." And I said, "Well, I think yeah, it's not the goal. You know, the goal here is to is to you know get off the chemical bandwagon." Yes is try to improve some soil health, try to think a little harder about what our turf types are doing and not doing right. And, you know, very big transition zone between, between warm season and cool season there.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so we were trying to figure that out. I mean, there was just a lot, there was just a lot of agronomy, you know, grinding to do, you know, I just call it agronomy note-taking, you know, we just, you know, and I is,
0: was, Dave, I... Dave, is the, is the sustainable, is the, sustainable view from you are you looking at this thinking because now as i've just mentioned now people certainly in the uk we're being told that things are coming off the market five years from now we won't have this and that other people are looking at it from a financial standpoint is your is your are you is this more moral for you or is there certain are you thinking that i can save money in the future i just want to promote soil health without a Um, chemical input what was your was there an overall did you have one goal or was it was it a combination of a moral standpoint, a bit of a the, financial standpoint? The
1: overall ch- arching goal, Stuart, was to learn.
0: Okay, that's interesting because there, was, yeah.
1: because there was so much talk, you know yeah and I thought, well, you know we have to approach this from a little bit of science, and so you know basically what I've got here is 180 acres of test plot.
0: Yeah, you fair know. enough.
1: And I had a supportive membership and I had a place that wasn't going to be on TV. It wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to have a ton of attention, right? So let's say something didn't work and a few things didn't work. You know, it wasn't always perfect. Yeah, um, I wasn't going to get hung from the oak trees, you know, over it, right? So it kind of, you know, and then I was just a really good communicator and I, you know, and I was communicating with them and I was saying, listen, you know, we live in this, you know, we live in this beautiful place. It's very eco agricultural. There's a bunch of grape growers here. There's a bunch of fruit tree growers. You know, they're all doing the, the you know, the sustainable thing. Um, And I want to be part of that community and I want us to be part of that community. I want us to, you know, I want us to be proud of it. And so the things that we were doing were not necessarily, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um they had for years put grass clippings in their in their waste bins in their you know right you know anything that came off the greens got dumped in a waste bin and got taken to the landfill and i thought well this is silly you know we started a compost operation
0: yeah which is commonplace now but right but then
1: it was like you know and 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 i was just thinking well that's just a lot of carbon that we're exporting from the place and one of the tenants of Mama's farming is never get rid of your carbon. Don't get rid of your manure. Don't get rid. You know, don't get rid of your waste products. Use them somehow. Figure out how to how to, um, you know, upcycle them to something yeah. good. And so that's what we were doing. You know, we we're doing stuff like that. I wasn't sit- necessarily sitting around. I mean, I had all the records for a predecessor who was such a great guy, and he went on to be at a great golf course in in the Monterey area. Yeah, you know, it was no shade on him. You know. Yeah. I looked at the records and I looked at the amount of spraying they were doing and just just the the maximum effort they were doing to keep things alive. And I thought, there's got to be an easier way. Yeah, This isn't necessarily working. And I wasn't thinking about money and I wasn't thinking about, you know, now, of course, all the chemical people and everybody who suddenly weren't selling what they used to sell to this property, you know, that guy's nuts, right? He's crazy.
0: We're talking, you know that, we're, we're talking thousands of dollars back then that isn't being spent when you, oh to, yeah. when you begin this regime, Dave.
1: Oh yeah, forty, fifty grand right out of the gate. Wow, you know that um, in in nineteen ninety dollars. I mean, that, would that be one hundred and fifty grand now? You know, kind of kind of number that I just took right away and said, "We're not doing that." You
0: know, so we're, we're not get, doing. To, we're, so, so where? it's a it's a strange question that but would would um would you have been able to recite would would that money have remained in your budget would you have been able to push oh, yeah. that no no, no we were
1: going yeah we were going to use that budget for labor we were going to use that Excellent. you know we were going to get my guys paid the way they should have been pay- paid we were going to get my shop tuned up you know we were going to do again you know put the golf course in a higher priority you know thing and I used to tell the golf pro and everybody else it's like listen I'm gonna maintain this place from the line of play you know like I want great greens tees and fairways you know that's what we're after right yeah. I want you to go out every day and say the greens are great you know I want your guys to stand behind the pro shop counter and say greens are great today you know that's what we're starting right yeah so we just you know so we just dug in what do we have to do to our mowing operation what do we have to do for our vacation you know what is it that we have to do to be able to say we have great greens you know whatever that is right yeah. and so you know it was just it was just based on um on a young man who wanted to you who, who just had something to prove had a enough agricultural background to say listen i'm not just a turf grass guy you know we're also doing a we're doing agronomy here yeah you know we're, we're doing sustainability we're doing all those things and i just put that stuff into play um looking back i uh, and again, so many people have asked me what you just asked me, Sue, which is a brilliant question. You know, why? Why? You know, what was the, you know, I wasn't thinking about saving I wasn't thinking about, you know, the economy that way at that particular place. But what I was doing is I was, I was imploring some of the things that I had to do in a more public golf situation where money wasn't as, you know, yeah. available. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you no. you looking back, Dave, you were one of the forerunners, if you will, to what we are now experiencing in the in the modern, more modern age, because it was we're not talking the dark ages, we're only talking 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> now, a green yeah. committee meeting now, certainly, in my experiences, you will sit down. And people will discuss the state of the bank balance before they discuss the state of the Greens in certain situations.
1: Right, they can, that's right.
0: And that but... is what that is not necessarily right, but that is, certainly in this, I work at a very, very small operation. We're a busy operation, but it's small. And sadly yeah. for us is the first port of call is are we financially sustainable before we can be agronomically sustainable? Um, right. But you have managed to years ago you set this in motion and you've sort of said it without saying it that you were prepared to fail along the way but you had the support so again that is a sustain that is a sustainable circle if you will because you were allowed to as you said you were a brilliant communicator if you communicated it well people you were not you didn't want to fail but if it didn't go brilliantly at least you all knew where you stood um so D- okay. let's move yeah. let's move the situation forward a little bit, Dave. Because I said sorry. I know, surface, we, I know
1: we. I said it was a brief thing, but you know, no, that's that's
0: absolutely there. fine. And, and I, I and, and to, hopefully, there will be. Wanted
1: to tell you forward. how I got started as a consultant because that was the stepping stone to to you know, in 1992, I hung my shingle. I left the Lake Wildwood Club officially in '94. I spent about two years in transition. Yeah, and uh, I just. Yeah, I just was excited to go out and speak this, what we just spoke about, you know, just talk about yeah. it with, with golf course superintendents. And,
0: so did you, did you, you let, you, you ceased to be a superintendent. Did you, yeah. did you start your own business or did you work for someone yeah. else when you went into consulting? No,
1: I, I hung, I was stupid enough to hang my shingle and just say, this is what I, this is what I want to do, you know. So
0: Dave Dave Wilbur Turf Consultancy yeah. began.
1: Wilbur Turf, Turf and Soil Services began in, in, uh, uh in earnest in 1993 you know time period i was still connected to the club they begged me to stay they wanted (laughs) they were willing to do just about anything and i'm I'm like guys i love you and i and i appreciate you so much but i just need to you know i can't i can't do you justice and do what i want to do you know i want to go see the world right and it goes back to that going to see the world thing
0: yes because you mentioned that at the beginning and you didn't you said that I mean, as a young man in the U.S., I've never lived in the U.S., but the military is a viable option to to see the world. Maybe. But you, right. but you, you just you're in turf grass. So, yeah. So did you? So how does that happen? You you then how easy were opportunities away from the United <laughs> States within turf grass consultancy in this time period?
1: Um, you know, I did I did ninety percent of my work in the states, and I did a okay. bunch of and I had a bunch of construction and growing background stuff. So that's, you know, that's kind of where I landed, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit in that community. Um, and, uh, we put, a, we put together a lot of grassing specs for architects and, yeah. and, uh, new projects and some things like that it was, you know, kind of how I was, you know, making my bones at first and just trying to kind of keep the lights on. And, uh, I traveled a bunch, you know, I, I prided myself on being on the road. I was on the road a couple hundred days a year, you know, f- wow. from that point forward. Um, and my kind of big break internationally was, was King's Barnes.
0: Um, okay. So you came to the UK?
1: Yeah. So what happened is I was working for, we built a place called Granite Bay Golf Club outside of Sacramento, where I was living Yeah. in Northern California. And that same owner um, had started to Mark Parsonen, who, who did King's Barnes and then Castle Stewart, you know, yeah. was, was the, you know, one of the owners at the Granite Bay club. And Mark said to me one day, he said, Hey, um, you have any interest in working in the UK? (laughs) You know? And I said, well, where? And he goes, well, you know, near St. Andrews. And I said, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Like it just kind of was like, huh? And then he went on to talk about Walter working with Walter Woods and Paul Miller from Elmwood college and, and, uh, Robert Hunter who or not Robert Hunter. I'm sorry, but, um, Oh, the name escapes me, but, you know, just like a ton of people that were that mark mark was great at lining up advisors you know he did that well at granite bay and he's like yeah i'd like to get you involved in this and he said i figured you'd like to meet walter woods and you know and uh i knew exactly who walter Wood, woods was i had seen him from a distance um, yeah. in fact his daughter lives not far from where i grew up you know so i met her one day just by chance and so you know so you're talking to me about meeting my turf grass idol yeah <laughs> you know, and you're going to pay me to do it And I just said to Mark, I said, Mark, I don't know how I can help. I mean, I want to help, of course, you know, but how? And he goes, I just like having you around. You know, it's just, you're just a good thinker and I need good thinkers around me. And, you know, he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't. So I think it was, I think I made my first trip to Scotland in 96. Okay. Uh, Matt Walter saw the, saw the site at Kingsmarns before any, you know, ground had been broken or anything. And, uh. Uh, Talk through an agronomic plan. Walter kicked my ass a few times about it, you know. I mean, and it was really true. I mean, there were so many people who said, you know, what do you Americans know about Lynx golf? And I said, well, I, you know, I don't know shit.
0: Have you got got, um, (laughs) – you'll have to excuse me, Dave, but, I mean, you're probably – we're talking – you're coming over to Scotland, and people are probably just want to chuck fescue everywhere. Is there a fescue background for you in the U.S.?
1: no my fescue. <laughs> it's funny my fescue background was really in rangeland management and, okay. and and horse and cattle feed that's where i knew about fine fescue
0: oh, in the mountains okay.
1: in the mountains of colorado it was timothy hay you know fine fescues you know some things like that that's i know i had never until i walked on to the early one i flew in that night i walked got you know left the dunvegan walked onto the 18th green at St. Andrews on the old course, it was my first real view of of a fescue, you know, quote-unquote fescue surface, right, fescue brown top, whatever, you know, the, the mixture of greatness that it was, and I just kind of remember just, like, marveling at the whole thing and realizing I didn't understand. What I had heard from so many American superintendents, and I'm not trying to beat up on Americans here, but this, it does kind of bum me out, is that so many of them had said, oh, we could never do that. You know, like, it's cool, right? You know, they had been over to Scotland, and they'd met Walter and gone through the spiel, and Walter used to like to tell everybody that their fertilizer budget was 1,800 pounds, you know, for the yeah. old course, you know, that kind of deal. He had his whole spiel that he would give the American guys. And uh, and they would they would all, come, the guys that I knew would come back, and they would say, well, that's cool, but we can't do that here. That'll never sell. That,
0: right? And is that, is that, is, that was the standpoint back then, Dave. That people, yeah, that's true. The golfing public in the U.S. wouldn't have stood for the, yeah. the the lack of color, if you will, or yeah, the, it's the not, definition. It's not the lack
1: enough. It's not uniform enough. It's not all these things that you know that somehow had become a thing that you know. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, Stuart. I'm not going to defend. I can't defend that because I immediately. Um, I immediately fell in love with the fescue bent service and okay. Walter was kind enough to teach me, uh, you know, we, we dug around, we, you know, uh, I got to, I got to meet John Philip but Carnoustie and spent a bunch of time with him. I, you know, I, I met George Brown at Turnberry. I, you know, I met um, George is actually
0: local to, he, he managed the golf course, very local to me 35 yeah, yeah. years ago before, before taking that job. Yeah. Right. So no, I got
1: never to Walter. I got to see these properties and meet these people. You know, we went and played golf at, you know, at all the great spots. We went to Ireland and played golf when, you yeah. know, one of my trips over. I mean, we just had a great. I mean, it was Uncle Walter. You know, and <laughs> and, um, and so we, you know, and I think what we were trying to do is we were trying to. Somebody said to me once, you know, you're the you've become the Walter translator. Like you can translate what he's saying, and then now we have to figure out how we're going to do this at Kings Barnes. Okay. and Stuart McComb was there you know annis Knight who's the current superintendent was Stuart's assistant I mean it is a great group of people right everybody's got their heads together and sometimes people aren't going to agree and it was heated sometimes you know like you know sometimes it was like no well, you've
0: got a lot of very strong opinions thrown yeah. in there, haven't you
1: and I would just listen and I would think well is this does this make sense you know agronomically right like I haven't but i'm i'm talking to a guy like ennis knight who grew up in gallon right you know Mm -hmm. whose family has a small you know i think they still have a small bed and breakfast in Gallen. he grew up working you know at the Gallen golf courses i'm gonna listen to this guy about you know and his dad's a keen golfer he's a keen golfer all these guys can hit it right so that's the other part of this is i mean i think at the time walter was what a three and a half handicap or something wow I mean you know he would just take me out of the golf course and beat me like a drum and I was hitting it pretty good at that point in my life and I just was like this guy's like 70 and he's killing me you know (laughs) I played with Archie Barrett at Gullen the first time I played at Gullen with Archie Archie was 76 and he you know his game was like driver driver one putt you know (laughs) and I'm hiking around in the you know in the jungle off the fairways and stuff and he's laughing at me and i'm like okay i gotta learn this game i gotta learn this whole thing this everything i know about golf and turf is really got to go out the window here you know and and i need to be re-educating myself i wanted to be and uh so i made myself available and you know i didn't i didn't challenge anybody i listened i learned and and uh you know it was a positive it was a very positive experience all the way around hard yeah. work positive experience um couldn't couldn't pay for that education in a million years you know and it was yeah. just the thing i wanted to do when i looked back as a kid and thought what do i want to do this is what i want to do you know sure. and uh, that was fortunate thing and that was that was that was you know that was one of those kind of rock star lucky break you know somebody saw me play a guitar in the club kind of thing and said oh you know let's let's give this guy a shot and, I, and that was my shot and it worked out good for me.
0: But so. You, you, you embraced it, Dave, and like you've you've said, you've you've mentioned it a few times there that you sat back and listened and watched, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is something that I think it would be advice for everyone. It's it's I think modern day people find that quite hard. I think there is a pressure almost from society to to be to be a part of something to be feel like you need to be interacting and sometimes there is still a lot to be said for just sitting back keeping your mouth closed for a while and taking things in dev what i want to do is i want sure. to move forward a little bit um and cuz i did say at the start of this that we're going to have a little a bit of a focus towards mental health because it's right. huge it's, it's not a it's not a uk thing it's not a us thing it's a global thing it's not a golf thing but we are right. Here you have spent your career in turf grass. I have spent my career, most of my career in turf grass. I am a recovering alcoholic who has suffered with anxiety, stroke, depression over the years. I know from your Twitter that you have certainly dealt with similar things, I think, most of your life, Dave, on and off. So what we're going to do is I want to focus the chat a bit towards the, the, the turf grass industry and, and get your take on it and then see if you can offer, not necessarily some advice, but see if we can sort of get this conversation going in a direction where maybe yeah, yeah. we can put our heads together and see what potentially the industry could do to help itself. So I read a quote. It was, it was a tweet this morning. It have nothing to do with turf grass. And the tweet was, it was just what I needed to read this morning. Actually, it was, <laughs> All this tweet said that someone posted it, it said, be kind to yourself. And it was funny because I thought, I've got this podcast with later late with Dave, I'm going to use that. And I think within life, I don't think we're kind enough to ourselves and it's hard. And I don't think industry and I don't think the turf grass industry is kind enough to itself. I think sometimes you go on Twitter now called X, Facebook, wherever you go and people are groups are eating themselves up if you will They've, yeah before we get on to turf grass would you just give us a little a little overall history of your mental health sure. and the ups and downs that you've experienced in your life if you'd be kind sure. enough to share.
1: absolutely well okay so i mean and, and in the you know i'm i'm gonna be i'm completely honest about this subject and I love being honest about it. So there's no, you know, there's no fear and there's no off limits questions to yeah. So, don't, you know, um, my father, whom I mentioned before was a wonderful, wonderful guy who happened to be a recovering alcoholic Yeah, and he was, he was a tough old son of a bitch, you know, World War II veteran and, uh, just, you know, just a tough dude. Yeah. And he also had a super soft inside. That most people never got to see and that soft inside caused him some pain and so once every six months or so he would you know he would fall off the wagon you know and go on a, on a binge and i think mostly it was just to it was mostly just to let that inside out that he had been covering for so much okay. you know and i think for him sobriety was just it was hard work you know he that was his first thought of the day i think was staying sober his last thought of the day was staying sober and and uh he explained this to me years later because from from my standpoint he was distant you know like i like i know he loved me and stuff like that but you know he wasn't that dad that played catch with me every day kind of stuff right So, a
0: ha- hands off dad is, is how you kind probably of. felt he
1: he was a well he was a, an amazing workaholic
0: yeah
1: and that's what i learned from him i learned okay. workaholism okay <laughs> you know the guy was just you know he was four in the morning to you know to midnight guy you know just amazing amazing work ethic and it was part of that generation and part of who he was and and he loved his craft you know he loved being a he loved being a chef and a restaurateur and, you know he loved food and he read cookbooks like we read turf grass books you know yeah. <laughs> love that stuff uh but you know i i inherited some stuff from him and kind of. And, and along the way, of course, you know, being an adult child of an alcoholic, there's just some stuff that you learn about that stuff later on. But, uh, so I'm, t- I was talking about the Lake Wildwood club, my first, you know, real big superintendent's job. And I experienced my first panic attack during my men's invitational the first year I was there because in my mind, it was, it was the, you know, it was the U S open. It was the open yeah. championship, right? You yeah. know, there's, there's nothing bigger that happens at this club. They all come from all over and the golf course has got to be perfect and everything and i and my you know and i'd seen some tournament golf and i'd volunteered and you know and done some stuff at sherry hills and whatnot and armin Sunni and all those guys and so i i wanted it perfect right and i worked myself you know into a complete frenzy and the f- sunday of that first invitational tournament i had a panic attack i I literally thought I was having a heart attack. I dropped to the floor. I woke up about twenty minutes later, as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah, wow. Pretty
1: sure that pretty sure that I'd had a heart attack, you know, but I didn't want to tell anybody because we still had work to do. I mean, can you believe that shit? <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh, I've experienced two, um, two prop- what I would say a proper panic attacks, Dave. And yeah. on both occasions, I thought my time was up.
1: Yeah, right. Just, like I thought was, I, I Yeah. Yeah. I woke up on my office floor. And, you know, and I'm uh, I'm not going to tell anybody, but, you know, of course, I went to the doctor as soon as I could, yeah. right? Oh, you know, and this happened. And they're like, so they did the big workup on me. And it's like, no, you didn't have a heart attack. You know, none of those markers are in your blood or whatever. And the, this is one doctor looked at me and he says, I think you just kind of had a panic attack, kid, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, whatever that is, you know, onward, right? Yeah. Boom. And uh, so, you know, then I'm, you know, I'm building this thing, I'm doing this thing and it's, you know, it's starting to catch on. And I, and again, I've got this workaholic tendency. And so I'm, you know, I'm just working ridiculous hours. I mean, I worked way more as a consultant than I ever did as a golf course superintendent. You know, now I have a business to run. And so I'd be in some hotel somewhere, you know, working on soil test results, you know, staying up late. Went through a period of time where I, alcohol was never a problem for me, but I went through a period of time where I was drinking too much, just trying to get myself to go to sleep, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, I, and I, you know, I just was in a spiral, you know, it was a bad, it was becoming a bad spiral and it. And I, I started to, I started to hate being on the road and love being on the road just as much. Okay, you know, when, when I was on the golf course, you know, working with the superintendent, whatever, best thing ever, but traveling airports, shitty hotels, all that sort of thing, man, it would just, it would just, I would just, it was like a silent scream, you know, it was, it was painful. And I was repeating this, you know, panic attack thing.
0: So, and was, that so started... what was your, what was your, sorry, what was your, what would you, you said you you may be using alcohol to, to help you go to sleep, but what was your, if it's not alcohol, did you have a coping mechanism? Because a lot <laughs> of people like myself, I would have turned, I did turn to drink. Other people will turn to drugs. Other Some people will turn to watching things that they shouldn't watch on the internet what did you just did you just bottle it up and then the panic attack would happen yeah yeah
1: i didn't i didn't have good coping skills of any kind and i just you know i just knew that i didn't want to be like my dad so i wasn't going to mess with the substances i mean i think back in the day we drank a lot you know it was you know before cell phones and everything you know a group of superintendents would get together somewhere Yeah. You know, wherever I went, there'd be a group that would get together, usually at a bar, a pub or something, you know, to talk about their world, to talk about their day, you know, have a few pints, whatever, you know, it's that kind of thing. So, um, but I just didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't in me to have that kind of addiction.
0: Yeah.
1: The addiction was work. The addiction was pushing myself harder and harder and harder. And at a certain point you pull the rubber band so far, it's going to break.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and that's kind of what would happen is eventually I would get to a place where I was just so exhausted and so beat up. And, you know, there'd be that one straw that would hit the, you know, hit the camel's back and I'd just break. And it would take me four or five days to kind of come out of, you know, a really big, depressive thing.
0: Okay. You know? And you but would, would you work through this? If we call it an oh, episode, would you be able to work through this episode? I work. I so you, you'd be work. in a hotel room somewhere? Yeah,
1: I usually, you know, I would, you know, I would try to time it or try to time it. You can't really time it, but I would, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be home, right, or right. I'm going to be somewhere for a few days where I don't have, you know, anything to do, and then I can just come apart. Yeah, you know, and
0: and uh and you're not, if you don't mind me saying that, you're, you're, you're not married, are you? At this,
1: I was married.
0: Oh, you was yeah. married. Okay, so, so was. there would have been, you'd have had a, a partner would have witnessed this, or you'd hide it. Oh, from, yeah, and no, she.
1: She witnessed it all, and we're we're not together anymore. We uh, are great friends, but she okay. some the stories that she tells me about that period of time are pretty, pretty okay. horrible.
0: Yeah. Her, so you you'd you go know. home to your wife and and be broken.
1: Just be a puddle, wow. just a puddle, puddle on the floor, you know, and uh, having nightmares. Um, you know, fully in- engaged in a PTSD type pattern. Yeah. Right. Um, which again, nobody was talking about that stuff back then. You know, it was okay. You're, you know, you're dealing with depression, and you know, let's kind of, you know, let's work with this. And I would sort of work with it, and sort of see a therapist or something, but I really wasn't, you know, I just wasn't handling it, Stuart, at all.
0: You would, know, and what, I would, what would the throw therapy... myself back
1: into work and and go at it again until the next time I couldn't function. You
0: know, and what was. If you think back, Dave, what would have been the time scale here? I mean, it's it, I, I assume you there is no fixed time scale, but are we talking two or three episodes a year, one episode a month? Can you recall?
1: Well, it started to be more frequent.
0: Of course. Yeah.
1: You know, it started to be more frequent. Yeah, it started as a couple episodes a couple of times a year when I'd really go down, and then it was starting to be uh more frequent, monthly, you know, kind of thing. And, and this uh,
0: this this at some point must impact work i assume yeah absolutely yeah i guess the next question is um at what point did the shit rear obviously the shit's hitting the fan regularly here dave but at what point or is there a point where you sat yourself down or someone sat yourself down and said dave this can't go on
1: so what happens to is my uh my mom became ill in uh, about two, about 2014. So let's just fast okay. forward to about 2013-2014 yep. time period. And um, my my I have an older half brother, you know, who yep. lived in yep. the same community she did. And our agreement was that it, whenever it got to be too much for him to handle, he was to call me, and I would come, you know, come right. Yeah. And so there were small episodes. Hey, come, mom's got to have a hip replacement. Okay, you know, come for a few days, you know, that kind of thing, right? But he made the call and said, this is bad. She's, her emphysema is um, progressing. Some things are really going wrong. It's, I'm over my head here. You know, I need help. I need help. help. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I, you know, wherever in the world I was at that point in time, I dropped everything. And I, you know, I flew to Colorado and I, uh, you know, with the intention of being there and I got with my mom and I said, okay, you know, let's, let's have a serious talk. And she's like, you know, I think I'm just kind of, I'm done having them poke and prod at me and stuff. And I would like to just sort of, you know, I mean, she was 86 and she was ready to go. I'm like, okay, these are your wishes. Yeah, I don't want to be in the hospital. I want to be home. Okay, we'll we'll set it all up. No, we'll we'll get that together. And um, as it turns out, one of the hospice nurses said to me, she said, she said, dude, this is a, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You know, she's going to have some really good days and you're going to think, wow, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah. And then she's going to have some bad days. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, so I was trying to, you know, trying to run my business. I had folded some of my consulting work in with Sierra Pacific turf supply. So I was functioning as a, a you know, an agronomy consultant for them. And, you know, I just had a lot on my plate was trying to kind of recover from the 2008 insanity, which I think. You know, a lot of a lot of the world really went golf world went into a bit of a spin then too. It certainly did yeah. for me. Cause I had a lot of I had a lot of stuff in the pipeline for construction, and those things really kind of quit. You know, um, so it was a blessing and a curse. But when I got to the point where I needed to be full time caretaker with my mom and deal all that, um, I could feel myself absolutely coming apart. Okay, but I was on mission. You know, I knew I had to. I knew I had to be there. Right. Like, I have, you know, she counts on me and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, I was, um, you know, having repetitive nightmares, all kinds of really bad things were happening. So, so as soon as she passed, through, um, I tried to take my own life. Okay. You know, I just couldn't function. I had completely used up every bit of who I was yeah. in that whole situation. And, um, you know, swallowed a bottle of pills and... Was like i just want to i just want to not wake up <laughs>
0: yeah well you, you you'd you you'd come to that yeah you'd, you'd come to a point in your life where it was i yeah you'd made the decision that it was all too much for you dave
1: yeah it was too much i didn't know how to put it back together um cognitively i just didn't you know i just didn't know who i was where i was at that point you know none, nothing made sense and uh And a a really good therapist later told me that the other thing that happens, and this is why, because you know, I thought PTSD was like a, you know, it's got to be soldiers and cops and
0: they always they always say there is a, which I could never understand with with my alcoholism. I've been I've been to meetings. I haven't I haven't had too much therapy, if you will. But I read uh and I listen, and they everything says. You can trace it back to some deep-seated trauma, and if I go back in my life, it isn't there. There is no, there was no bullying at school. There was no death in my family. There was no. I I didn't have that trauma. That someone who may have experienced war or some or in the police, you know, as you're trying to explain. So, so yeah, could you could you could. Would you trace yours back to to work then, Dave? Or
1: yeah, I think I think the trauma was just was just me not dealing with the amount of kind of mental injury that would happen to me every time that I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah.
0: which you know, is having, which is trauma, of course. It is, is.
1: trauma. It's absolutely trauma. And then it took you know a couple of big life events. My marriage was also coming apart at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know where my business was going to go. And my mom, who was really my compass and my best friend in the world had just passed away. And again, one of the things that the therapist said to me is he said, you know, we we get on mission, right? You know, this was your mission, take care of mom. And then mission is over. What do you do, you know? And then he's like, and then this was the hard one is he drilled into my head a little bit and was like, do you think you failed because she passed? Like, you know, is it somewhere in the back of your mind that you could have, you know, kept her alive? If you'd have done all the right things, and it really was. It was in my head. But maybe if I'd have been there for her sooner, you know, if I'd have done some things differently in my earlier life, it wouldn't have been so tough. She was gonna, you know, she was gonna pass anyway. That's the truth. But I wasn't handling that one so well. And so I'm on mission, right? Mission's over, mission failed. What am I doing here? There's no reason to be here. I gotta go, you know? And it was that
0: if you don't mind me asking, Dave, are, are we talking days, weeks, months after your mum's passing, the immediate no, it was, it was
1: Yeah, it was, you know, weeks.
0: Weeks, wow.
1: Weeks, yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm very sorry to hear, to hear that, oh, but I'm also just, glad yeah. that you're here talking to us, Dave. Right,
1: absolutely. And I, you know, um, and there's been two, there, there was another attempt later. Stuart. So I've had two of those episodes. Uh, the the second, first huh?
0: time, Yeah. The first God, time. God. time
1: The first time I just didn't really kind of deal, you know, I was like, okay, I'm happy to be alive. This is good. Yeah. You know, um, the second time was a lot more serious and that's when I was like, okay, I have to, you know, I have to take this seriously. I have to actually get some real, some real help because, you know, that one hit me like a wave. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't, uh, there was a lot of bad stuff going on around at the time. It just, one day I just decided that was enough. You know, it was kind of the, you know, The thing that happens again to a lot of you know to a lot of people in my position um mentally right yeah so you know i'm tired of being depressed i'm tired of feeling bad i'm i'm done you know let's let's go let's let's see what's on the other side at
0: this point at this second episode dave um are you receiving therapy are you on medication had you stopped had you had you had you, had you taken your, it's easy to, it's a silly thing to say, had you taken your eye off the ball?
1: Yeah, I think the first time, yeah, I did the medication for a little bit. I did the therapy for a little bit. I got to feeling better. And I thought, good, this is past me. Right. Um, and I really, yeah, I took my eye off the ball for sure, Stuart. And, you know, then, you know, just trying to kind of put my life back together. And, and, uh, um, I was, I was working. Uh, my brother and I were trying to get her house ready to be sold, and I was working, and I and I uh, jammed a nail into my leg, and it became septic, <laughs> and I ended, <laughs> I ended up in the ICU. Uh, you know, this is like this is maybe a year and a half after her death. You know, and I ended yeah. up in the ICU. I, you know, it was I damn near should I should have died. and It was just a really bad situation. You know. And I came out of that, and I thought, I just, I just can't, you know. And so, you know, that's when I made attempt number two. And after that, okay, now we're going to get serious, right? So, meds, therapy. I was hospitalized for a time, yeah. you know, which, which I don't, I don't recommend anybody deal with the mental hospital thing. I mean, if you've ever watched one full over the Cuckoo's Nest, it was, it was that and worse. So just. <laughs> you know actually
0: discussed on a podcast i did with some friends over christmas it's probably a generation before me i'm 45 so jack nicholson in yeah. that wonderful role was probably a generation before me but certainly a, 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 a not so great portrayal of mental health care dave
1: right no <laughs> no but there was you know i mean i um uh, when i was the when i was first hospitalized you know they There's different, obviously. There's different parts of the hospital for different types of crazy, right? They only had a spot for me with the real true crazies, and so I woke up with a guy trying to eat my shoes, and I thought, Jesus, I'm in the wrong place, you know.
0: Are you at at this point, David? Nuts, but I'm not this nuts. it's, it's, It's probably it's probably a hard question for you to answer. But are you, when you look back, are you? Are you completely shot at this point? Obviously, you've tried to take your life a second time, so you are not yeah. in a good mental place. But you end up somewhere where a gentleman is trying to eat your shoes. Are you? <laughs> but you can you can recall this. Are you cog, cognizant, cognitive to a point, or are you are you actually are you actually you are in the best place because you needed that care? But have you still got some mental clarity at certain points of the day, or are you are you really are you really at
1: no, I was definitely, um, you know, I've had, I've had two. I don't know. It's not really when you're talking about major depressive disorder. It's not really a psychotic break, you know, kind of thing. Okay. But you do kind of lose the plot a little bit, like you know, in one of my in one of my episodes, not a suicidal thing, but you know, in one of the depressive episodes that I had, um, you know, I it starts with me by not sleeping.
0: Okay, that's that's but, how it manifests.
1: And so if nobody, if nobody, if nobody who's listening, all you turf heads who are listening to us, if you don't get a single thing from Dave Wilbur today, let me tell you something. Sleep is incredibly important. And if you're jacking up your sleep, you know, because of turf grass family, whatever it may be, you're in trouble. You are putting your foot, you know, near the meat grinder and hoping it doesn't grab it. It's 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 a
0: huge marker for me, Dave. I I don't, I don't think I have depressive episodes, but I certainly have episodes where my anxiety gets enormously high. But an indicator for me is my sleep pattern, which has never been great. But when it deteriorates, I, it is a huge indicator,
1: right? So when things change. You know, whatever, like, because people have different, you know, they just have different needs for sleep and all that sort of stuff. But when there's a radical change, and for me, I just kind of stopped sleeping. You know, oh, and and it was funny because I would wear it like a badge. Oh, my insomnia is doing good. No, it's not. Like this isn't good. You know, and And uh, you've
0: discussed this on your Twitter feed. I I I I can recall some tweets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, okay, I know I need to deal with this, right? And so. Um, yeah, you, you know, just, just knowing what those indicators are and what's coming, what's potentially coming. But what happens to me is if I let it go farther, you know, and this is mads, no mads. This is, you know, the, that sleep thing is the start. Yeah. And if it goes wrong, then I end up not really kind of, I end up in, in, this state where I'm not exactly sure what's real and what's not. Okay. And, and and this is why people cut themselves you know i work with kids now and some of them are cutters yeah and what they're trying to do is this real you know oh
0: they're see, trying to they're trying to work out if they're, they're actually get them yeah.
1: they're trying to get themselves grounded somehow when it when
0: trying to when find a end marker end or um, yeah.
1: one therapeutic technique that people you know that i I, ha, I i've done it you know where you wear the rubber band and every once in a while you snap the rubber band just to see you know am i okay. awake or asleep yeah right You'll see people do that, and
0: uh,
1: um, it's pretty commonplace therapy technique, you know, just to you know, just to, so when things it's like there would be a point where I'm like, I don't know if I'm awake asleep, I don't know if you know, I don't know what's real or not. I'll never forget Jim Fair and great friend of mine, golf course superintendent from Sacramento, uh, told me all about a lunch that he and I had that I don't have any memory of whatsoever, but I have the receipts and I have Jim's memory, I don't okay. remember. I don't remember hanging out with him. I don't remember a thing about that day because I, because my brain is in so much trauma in that moment.
0: You know, it's, it's amazing listening to this Dave, because I, again, I'm, I'm fortunate at the moment, touch wood, this desk in front of me is wooden. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm in a good place mentally, but with me, it will start off as I've, as I've said, my sleep pattern will become bad. And I I'm over, over six years sober now, but some days I will, if, if I'm not feeling 100%, I will finish my day and my previous work day or weekend day. I'll get to the evening and I will have a memory, almost like a hungover memory. It will be patchy and I will know what's mm-hmm. gone on in the last 24 or 48 hours but it yeah. is not clear. It is like it is like I've had a few too many to drink and I can't yeah. piece it all together. And it's another indicator. And my wife or my mum might say to me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't remember that. And they're talking about yeah. it like it happened this morning, which it did. But I don't clearly... And listening to you, I mean, it's 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 a it's fairly common when you read about it, but just listening to you, it's it's amazing. And this is, I think, what we're trying to say here. Anyone listening to this, if if you're experiencing this, other people experience it, don't they, Dave? And this, yeah. this is this is not uncommon, this is not uncommon to Turf. Let's move forward a bit, Dave, because we're not running out of time because there, there is no time limit for this.
1: <laughs> not-
0: where where are we? I don't want to do, I don't want to not do this justice, but where are we at? Do you think in the global, where is the turf industry for looking after itself with regards to mental health? In your opinion, Dave, are we, well, are we, are we doing well? Could we be doing better?
1: Um. So, yeah. So let's, let's back up. So in 2019, Ron Witten from golf. Digest called me yeah. and uh, he had read some stuff that we had done on Twitter and, and, uh, saw a few things that a few of us had been posting paul mccormick you know who you know i'm sure you know that name Um, miranda robinson um you know a bunch of us had been you know talking this mental health thing out in the open and ron called me up and he says hey i want to interview you and i want to do a story you know golf digest has asked me to kind of dig into the behind the scenes a little bit you know and 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 this is seems pretty behind the scenes And I thought to myself, I thought, shit, you know, I always wanted to be in Golf Digest, not this way, you know, <laughs> not for my not for my crazy side, right? Come on, you know, Ron. And I knew Ron, you know, I was like, Ron, can we talk about fescue? Can we talk about, you know? Let's talk
0: about King's <laughs> like, Bonds.
1: Yeah, right. Can we talk about Bally Neal? Can we talk about Pacific Dunes? Can we talk about all those other cool fescue things that we've been doing in the States now because I learned, right? Yeah. No, I'm not interested in that, Dave. I'm interested in your suicide attempts. And I'm like, shit, you know, okay. Ron, right you know and so and so you know i think it was october of 2019 this article comes out and it was pretty i mean i'm in the lead thing you know and it's it's the lead sentence is by all means you know dave wilbur is a turfgrass expert but he's also suicidal you know like it went into my whole deal right yeah And talk about unzipping the suit and feeling exposed jesus you know i was like oh my god you know, and I felt bad for some of the other people that were in the thing, too, because it was it got so much attention coming out of the game, right? Yeah. But the attention very... Well, we <laughs> we got a few. You know, Casey Coff and I both got a few. You know, well, you idiots, you just had a couple of bad Mondays. You know, this isn't real. What are you talking about? Grow up, you know?
0: Man up, get, grow up, get yeah. Some,
1: get some stones. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but then what happened just after? because you know, there was obviously a lot of discussion around it is my inbox started to fill up with people going i have been in complete crisis for a while and i don't know what to do you know yeah. I need and, some, and some really tough stories and like i don't know how to you know family breakups financial breakups job stuff you, you know crazy you know just like and i'm just like wow i'm not a therapist you know i'm not this isn't my You know i mean you know i'm a grass guy right i'm you know but but you know through communicate through being a good communicator and everything and just like okay let me you know let me help you let me point you at some resources some ways to get through this and by the way there's no shame in feeling better and so i started to give that talk you know to superintendents groups and you know do it online stuff and you know there is no shame in feeling better And uh, because there's something in our business, and getting to your questions, Stu, there's something in our business where it's like, if we're not beating the hell out of ourselves, we must not be doing it right. You know? There's a lot of people that run by that thing. And I was thinking back to all the hundreds, thousands of golf courses that I visited and how many actually truly happy golf course superintendents that I'd ever really seen. And there were not that many who really had life in balance, you know? There was a ton of workaholics, there's a ton of people drinking too much, there's a ton of people, you know, probably using some substance. Certainly in California, weed was a thing. Um and I started to see, man, our business isn't we're not addressing this, you know, kind of the right way, right? So and and I'm not begging on GCSA here, and I know a lot of people expect me to, because I've I've frequently been kind of critical of of them. Uh but so they invited Paul and Miranda, you know. They invited us to do a, and it was the year that COVID didn't let the, ha- the conference happen in person. So we we're going to do this panel discussion thing, and they insisted on bringing a therapist to the to the table with the panel, right? You know, and uh, again, no shade on this woman, but this this woman's never she's never opened the doors up on a Saturday morning. You know, you know what I'm saying? She yeah. she doesn't. She don't know what it's like walking by your employees and wondering if these guys are sober or not um you know just no no understanding of our business right so we had a few pre you know pre-conference meetings with her and it was just a hassle and i'm like you know she's not getting it and i'm you know and i'm saying it, i'm outspoken and i'm saying to all these other guys i'm you know i'm already tired of her but whatever but this is gcsa's thing you know we got to have an expert well Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, fuck, I'm an expert in my own life. What's, you know, can I talk about me? I mean, I, yes, I understand I'm not a therapist. I understand I don't have a psychology degree. I get all that. But I can talk about me and I can talk about it from the standpoint that people will understand the viewpoint of, you know, what it takes to be a golf course superintendent or an agronomy consultant or a salesperson, whatever those things are. I've been there, I've done it. And uh, there just wasn't a lot of recognition on GCSA's part about that. And I don't know that that, I wanted us to have a lot more impact than we did. However, having said that, it has started some people being able to come out and really talk about their stuff, a few of them, you know, recognizable people in our business. And that's good, right? And it started groups. You know, there's some Facebook groups and there's some, I hear about some small groups and I've been invited to speak at a couple of, you know, small kind of online gatherings and tell my story. And I think, well, okay, this is good, right? Like, you know, something good has come out of this. So I can't, you know, I can't fault an organization, GCSA, Biga, USGA, whatever, you know, for not recognizing the hassles of being a golf course superintendent. Um, Have we done a great job with that? Not really. Have we done a great job with that as humans? I don't know that, I don't know as humans that we've done a great job with it. I mean, certainly now I work with kids, you know every day and i see you know that system doesn't help some of the kids that are in crisis that yeah. much you know, it, it keeps them safe but it doesn't do much to to go beyond that there's just resources are tough right yeah. so and you have to have a want and a desire i want at a certain point i wanted to get better i wanted to face this shit. i wanted to hit it i wanted to have a better life yeah you know um I wasn't gonna settle for just, I'm gonna beat the tar out of myself and go through this cycle, you know? And it's good for a little bit, and then I'm gonna crash, and no, no more, right? I'm gonna use my cognitive function and get out of that pattern. And it's been a joy, you know? And probably for the first time, I mean, I'm I'm almost 58 now, and probably for the first time since I was a teenager, you know, I actually, you know, I'm, the last five years or so have been really joyful for me you know, and where I have big smiles and happy stuff going on and, you know, really, really good memories. And, and uh, yeah, there's going to be some tough days, but it doesn't topple me like it used to, you know?
0: And is, I mean, I, I think I, from a, from a turf point of view, Dave, I know anyone who follows your Twitter account, Um, you drive community school buses <laughs> Um, are you, are you retired from turf grass day? I think
1: COVID semi retired me and it certainly okay. kept me from traveling. Like I used to.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was kind of glad about that because it's like, you know, travels hard travels, you know, travel really since nine 11 travel has just been, you know, nightmarish in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's just, and being on the road that many days and so many, you know, it's just. And so then COVID happens, it's like, well, now I can't travel.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I had a I had a pretty big speaking tour kind of thing, you know, planned that was all gonna happen and that just had to fall apart. And I'm like, oh boy, you know. And then yeah. later I'm like, well, that was 60 days of <laughs> you know, of being home that I got back, you know, so it's yeah. kind of cool. Uh I've reformed my consulting business where it's a ton of it is happening. Like Zoom, this. Yeah. Like this. Um We have so many great tools now, Stuart. You know, when I first started consulting, somebody call you up on the phone and say, well, if, you know, I didn't even have a cell phone then, but, you know, if you call somebody back and they say, my grass is turning yellow, and, you know, what does yellow mean? I mean, it means, I thought, now I can get a picture, right? I get, you know, now I can have a FaceTime chat with somebody. We can sit there and look at a green together and talk, what's going on live? I mean, why not use those tools? You know, I I used to get on airplanes for some of the dumbest reasons. I I remember flying one time all night to get somewhere, and you know, get to this place, and the problem really wasn't even that big a deal. And I'm like, you brought me here for this?
0: I think like, I sure. think I think most well, of us but, in the yeah. UK, Dave, might struggle to understand when you say on the road, on the road in the US can actually mean in the air quite a lot, it? Yeah. which I well, think I, for us, if I go in, out to my car now, I can drive to Scotland in 10 to 12 hours. If the travel hours, right. yeah. hours. Yeah. you, you, your air travel. And I think probably what you're touching on, I don't know, but before nine 11, you could almost, could you almost get on a plane? Like you were getting on a bus?
1: Mm, not quite, but it not, was, you know, it depends easier. on how much you wanted to spend, but it was way easier but and
0: now the, and, it's, now it's, it's yeah. not
1: so, yeah, well, it's almost, it's a lot. Of, uh, Dave. Well, when I say on the road to, to Stuart, what I'm talking about is, you know, I'm, I'm at a hotel that night.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not home. I don't have my, I don't have my own refrigerator. I don't have my own, <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't, I don't have my coffee maker in the morning. You know, those, those things, those little things. And,
0: uh, um, Which- that's important. And creature comforts, mental health routine. I'm a huge routine is is brilliant for my mental health. It Some people might say it's a little bit boring. Oh. Routine can be boring. But for me, it allows me to manage my mental really health. Good I, yep. I eat the same breakfast. I, I enjoy the same <laughs> cheap coffee. I generally do my day at work, I come home, I have a run, I pick my daughter up, and then we we entertain ourselves until my wife comes home, and that's five yeah, days a yeah. week. and weekends are very similar, and it suits me. it keeps keeps me sober, it keeps me sane. yeah, and yeah. you've talked about I just want to wrap this up, Dave, for now, because I'd love to have you back on for some future discussions, but you talked about being on the road. You talked about not having your own refrigerator. You talked about you've been in a very good space for probably five years or so now. And I think what happens is when you go through, certainly with me, when you go through a sustained period of good mental health, you can then add to the good things you're doing. And one thing I've picked up on recently for you is you've gone on a little bit of a health kick, Dave. You've you've shed a few pounds. I myself... Last year, got rid of the best part of 25 pounds. You've done a lot more than that. If you wouldn't mind, Dave, this isn't turf related. I'm indulging myself somewhat here. But (laughs) I think what it will do is will allow people to see that when you are, like I said, when you are in a good place, you can then add another brick to that building, if you will, because you've got everything else. You're squaring away the stuff that you used to struggle with. So you can... You can add to, you can achieve more. What was there a, you've talked about your mental health with more more towards the physical side of things, Dave. Why did you decide that this, why did you decide, you've explained why the mental side of things needed to happen because you tried to take your own life. What's the the kicker behind getting fit, if you will, or losing some weight? What brought that on?
1: Well, okay, and, and I want us not to, not to skip the school bus thing, because I just want to touch on that for just uh, a second. Yeah, sure, wait, we'll get, get back to yeah. That. But let's do your question first. I think, um, so for me, you know, I've always been this kind of big bear of a guy, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm six foot five. I don't know how many how many stone I should have done the math. First. Yeah. <laughs> but um, since last May, I've lost, you know, cruising right up to about 100 hundred pounds right lost lost, lost.
0: And, multiple stones
1: <laughs> yeah multiple stones right so um and so I you know I tell people like you know just imagine carrying around 250 pounds seed sacks with you all day you know I'm in the, you know you'd yeah. be tired um part of it was part but was because I've I really needed knee replacement you know and the doctor who I want to do my knee who works on like the Denver Broncos and some of the You know football players is like i'm not touching you dude until you lose a bunch of weight like he was just straight with me about it you know yes you need a new knee but i ain't gonna do it until you get stronger you know and that's just there's too many risks involved and you know you only get to do this once so oh okay you know that was pretty pretty good way to say it to me yeah you know um the uh the persona you know, I get the bear behind me, right? My yep. nickname in life is Bear. People call me. People call me not so much in the turf industry, but all the time it's been Bear, right? He's big. Yeah. You know, Dave is a big Bear of a man, and so, you know, and uh, in the school system, they don't know me as Dave Wilbur. I'm Bear, Mister Bear, right? And so, I really had to look at that and say, okay, is is this persona helping me? You know, like, and and it really mentally it was like, well, I don't think I need to, I, I'm i still going to be 6'5". I'm just not, you know, I'm just going to weigh a lot less. My hands are still going to be huge. I am you know, I can still play the bass. I can still do the things I want to do. And I don't have to, you know, I don't need to rely on this, this, you know, giant presence of quote unquote, Big Dave. Right. Did you, did
0: you, did you enjoy being Big Dave then? You were sure. quite, you were comfortable, you sure. were comfortable in that suit, if you will. Walter
1: Walter called me that Eddie Adams all those guys Big Dave is coming yeah. you know they'd say right and it was like you know and it was uh or or the the funny one was the owner at the owner at uh, the original owner at Valley Neal would call me Little Dave you know like Little John you know Little Dave yeah. right yeah and uh, he was even gonna put a sandwich on the menu you know Little Dave's meatloaf sandwich or whatever the hell <laughs> you know? and so like yeah it was it was part of the per- part of the persona, part of the thing, and looking back at it, it's probably not very healthy, you know, I think in a lot of different ways, and it's like, okay, I need to really look at this, and, you know, uh, so yeah, I just, I mean, I wasn't, uh, uh, I wasn't doing anything but trying to do for myself there, and um, that it's been good, you know, I feel tons better than I have, you know, I probably feel better now than I did a decade ago. Uh, in a lot of different ways i'm going to be able to address the you know the knee replacements which are going to have to happen and and do that in a good way with the doctor that i want to do it you know he's all happy he's like wow look at you right you know i mean 100 100
0: pounds is absolutely phenomenal
1: yeah and i've probably got another 30 to go and then we'll see where it works
0: okay that's
1: kind of what i'm at um it's funny because i have little indicators like i don't know if you can see my watch how far it's going down on my wrist you know oh, okay yeah you know, this used to be tight right now yeah you know, just just you know, i gotta take another link out you know and out of my I've, clothes i've,
0: I've moved i've moved one button on my my eye <laughs> my, on my apple watch. Um, dave So anyway that's
1: that's been the thing is like i had to look at that and say okay is this is this really serving me you know, yeah. in the way that it, in a healthy way that it needs to, and then the, and then the other part of the psychology of it is too, is like, you know, am I, am I padding myself because so, I don't want to be close to people, you know, okay. am I, am I keeping people away, you know, kind of thing. There's some psychology around that that I did some work on and decided that maybe that was happening, you know. So, oh. um, you know, stay back, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. look a little scary. It's not a big deal because I don't want to deal with you anyway, right? Kind of thing. And that's my introvert side coming out. You know, stay back, people. So, yeah.
0: Anyway. Well, let's let's flip that then, Dave. We can segue that because certainly somewhere where you can't say stay back is is what you just touched on. And Dave, the the bus driver, the, 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 <laughs> the just talk to us about how it happened, why you decided to do it, and the good that it must do in the community. But tell us. Has it also okay. been good for you, Dave? Well, yeah, it's been good for me.
1: Cause the routine has been good for me. Right. When you talked yep. about routine and routine and which I didn't ever have, I was always more of a free from kind of person. Now I have to, you know, the back wheels have to pass this intersection at this time, right? It's, you know, it's <laughs> real routine, but, uh, the way that happened, I've, I've had, ai did some consulting work for a large flower growing operation. Okay. Um, yeah I did a lot of agricultural work outside of turf that a lot of people will know about because again, I still think like an Amish farmer. and one of the things those guys were having trouble with they were shipping flowers from the Midwest all over, and they they were losing a lot of they were losing a lot of product and we got, yeah, and we got it down to the fact that they were hiring out most of their transport. They didn't have their own division, this particular nursery, so I helped them start a transport division. We kind of did the business plan for that and figured out how we could get them, you know a lot more live plants because we're talking about some very big numbers you know I mean so uh, you know they spent about 10 million dollars buying trucks and trailers and and you know it was a big investment for them but it paid off and in the middle of all that I thought well I better get up to speed one of the things that Mark Parsonen told me is you better if you're gonna be a consultant you better know you better know the inside and out of everything Mark was so good at that right he he dove into the golf business in ways that nobody could ever imagine and that was because he took that from his previous time as a consultant in other areas you know saving businesses if you're going to save that business you got to figure out what they do you know down to the nuts and bolts and so i'm like well i i need to get a class a you know commercial driver's license here i mean i've driven you know big vehicles and all that sort of stuff so it's no big deal so i you know i very quickly got my you know, commercial driver's license for a class A kind of thing, truck and trailer.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I, you know, I delivered some flowers. I took this thing on the road. some, you know, because it's like, I wanted to see, you know, can these driver these drivers are saying this and that, and, you know, we can't get unloaded quick enough at this Walmart or this Home Depot. Okay, let's see, right? Let's see what it's yeah. all about. So I was right in the middle of it. And that gave me a lot of respect from, you know, from the trucking guys, right? So I've got this class A CDL, right? and i'm uh i turned 55 and my health insurance like tripled in cost uh-huh. <laughs> and i'm like damn it this is ridiculous you know this is i mean here we are it's COVID. it's this and that and this is happening and you know this getting older shit, whatever um so i happen to bump into the woman who is the uh director of transportation for the local school district right really cool cool lady marcy phelps we're just talking and uh like at a starbucks right
0: yeah and,
1: oh what do you do oh oh yeah yeah and, and i and i happen to mention that i have a commercial driver's license and she just <laughs> she basically literally grabbed my arm and said i need you <laughs> you know and then and As part of that conversation, she said, you know, if you work for me for 20 hours a week, I can get you health insurance and all the benefits that school district has. And I said, well, that's really interesting because my health insurance just tripled. And she's like, I have a way for that, you know, just come give me some hours. I I will get you your school bus endorsements really quickly. You know, (laughs) like, okay. I, you know, the, the bus parking lot, the terminal is literally three minutes from my house.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: And they're like and, and so I'm a big believer in look for the green lights. And there's nothing but green lights here. And so I do this, you know, get the training. They had it. it was very quick. And uh and I, I don't know anything about kids, Stu. I don't have kids, right? I never got to have kids and and uh so you know, every okay, you know, driving the school bus, I mean it, you know, it's a it's a big vehicle, it's easy, you know, it's it's, it's not a hard thing, it's much easier than a truck and trailer right so i can do this this is but man the kids and they threw me right in the deep end they threw me right in with the you know with the junior high you know sixth seventh and eighth graders at the toughest school from the toughest neighborhood and said here bear let's see how many kids
0: on a bus 60. so like like
1: 50 60 kids you know
0: that is the deep end
1: and uh um and it's funny because that that neighborhood that school is just it's not far from me, you know, and so I, you know, I know it's, it's, you know, 80% Hispanic, um, you know, a little bit on the low income side, but just like really fantastic people, hardworking families, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? And I just, I just fell in love with these guys and I just thought, you know what? And so what I did is I treated them and this people are going to be listening to this and they're going to understand, right? I treated them exactly like I treated my guys.
0: Okay, yeah
1: on a golf course on a construction site or at a tournament or whatever it's like listen you are going to do what i ask you to do this is not a democracy okay and if you screw up you're going to hear about it and if you do good you're going to hear about it and we're going to get along okay and if you can't follow the rules you can't do those stuff. you can't be here Yes. That's exactly how I dealt with them. And it just, you know, and then I speak a little bit of Spanish, so that helped, but it's like construction site Spanish, so it's mostly cussing and saying it wrong. And so they love that, right? You know, cause I'd pull off a word and they'd all laugh and, you know, and uh, uh, it's become a real joy, you know, it really has. I figured I would do that for six, eight months, you know, kind of get myself out of the COVID period and all that sort of stuff that was three years ago. <laughs> and, um you know, so are you still?
0: Is it still 20 hours a week or is it more? Day,
1: I'm doing it more. I'm doing a little bit more just because we've had a bit of a shortage of drivers and stuff. And because <laughs> I sound gonna, this is gonna sound like a big ego thing, but I'm kind of in demand. The The secondary high school that like it's like the high school that you go to if you're if you're wash out of the other high schools because you're too much of a pain in the ass. You know, um, I, I drive for that school now you know, and those kids are tough, man, they, you know, they wear all black and their hair is colored and they're, you know, they think they're, they think they're really alternative, you know, and then they deal with me. And uh, well,
0: I think if anyone, I, love it. I yeah. mean, I think the, you, I think was it, did it stretch to eight points your tweet the other day? You had a, you had an incident with a yeah. child. Um, yeah. and I loved reading through how you dealt with it, Dave. And right. right, we don't need to go in, in depth into it here, but it um, was, it was dealt with how things are dealt with in the grown-up world, if you will. The real world. In exactly. the real world. And the yeah. reality is that that child will look, probably, look back at that point, hopefully, in their future and be very thankful that they, they came across you, Dave, rather than somebody else.
1: It's funny because that happened just a couple of days ago, Stu, and that kid, you know, I had them on Friday – Right. And, I, and so it's like, you know, that happened, what Wednesday, Thursday or whatever, when the, you know, when the kid went off and, uh, so on Friday, you know, I was, they were all coming out to the bus and he was kind of one of the first people. And so he, and I stepped away a little bit and I said, how you doing? You know? And he said, I, I'm, I'm okay, Mr. Bear. I'm like, no, no, no. How are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, okay, we had our thing. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and you had your bad day. Yeah. And you heard what I had to say. How are you doing? I, I'm better. And I, I, I said, "Does it help you the fact that I didn't just write up all the paperwork and send you to the office and have you deal with all the school people? Because you know that the way they're handling that stuff now, Stu. I mean, it's not necessarily wrong, but it is really over the top. You know, a kid, imagine, a kid yeah, who yeah. offers to be violent is going to get dealt with in a way that you know it's, it's it could wreck their deal. You know, yes. like it, it's a out, career
0: ender before they've got a career almost.
1: You could be out of school yeah. that move, right?" Yeah. And he's like, No, I'm you know, I'm really glad you didn't. And I said, Okay, so that's our agreement, right? You and I, at our moment, okay, you know, I gave you the tongue lashing. I told you how it's gonna go, and now you're gonna what you're gonna do is you're gonna bring some good. Like you're gonna, you know, the next time somebody pops off at you or somebody else, you're gonna say, Hey, cool it. Mr. Bear is a good guy. Don't do that on his bus, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally, dude, totally. Okay. There's our agreement, right? And so why is that so hard? It just doesn't seem so hard, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I love it. And I think, I think that right there. Yes. I hope that that lesson will, con- you know, I hope when he's a young man, I hope whatever is going on in his life later, you know, he remembers that, you know, that time when he got a break, but there was some responsibility that went with it. He um, did
0: He he didn't get off scot-free in the slightest. And hopefully, right. He's no, learned he free. <laughs> you know.
1: And I think yeah. what
0: just just reading that, and I, I, I don't there's no point trying to relate it to turf no. grass because that'd be silly. But the thing is, we are we're all people are gonna have bad days, they were gonna have they bad weeks, we're gonna have bad months, bad years. It's yes. how we deal with them and how other people deal with them. And it's something that I run a very I run a very, very small crew of guys, two full-time, two part-time, plus me. So when, when we're at max capacity, we're at five. Sounds like heaven. (laughs) It it is really. And uh, I I, I try and, you know, I've only been a head greenkeeper for 18 months. I try and deal with people in a, in a way that, you know, perhaps I felt I I wasn't dealt with personally by other people I used to work for. And, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm, hopefully going forward the people people that i bring on in the industry can go on and do things not necessarily my way but if i can teach them some things that i believe are correct uh, dave we've there's so much more we could touch on there's so much more of the notes that we're not going to get the opportunity <laughs> for, an, for an hour and 20 minutes and um, i think we'd, i'd love to get together in the future and i know me you yeah. and and you can Dave. have me on
1: anytime, Stuart. Of course, I love what you're doing. I'll support you any way I can. So
0: and we've we've been in group discussions with Peter, and we, we were in a little bit of a chat. Mo was going to come on, and I think going forward we can look to that again. Yeah. But but what I'm gonna say for now is Dave Wilbur, thank you for being a wonderful guest on Henry Weston's I'll make the podcast. I always give I always give the guests an opportunity to just Is is there anything that you'd just like to tag on the end of this before? Hopefully, we might get together again in the future. If there's anything that I haven't touched on or you really wanted to get across in this podcast, is there anything that you'd like to say before we wrap it up, Dave?
1: I think think the big thing, Stuart, really is, and the thing that's been most impactful in all the speaking and all the writing and everything that I've done around mental health in our business is, again, there is no shame in feeling better, you know? And it is... You know, you all, you younger people, especially in this business right now, you know, you're gonna get challenged in all kinds of different ways, just like we just like I did, just like we did. There's gonna it's just gonna look different, but there's gonna be challenges, always. You know, you're dealing with Mother Nature, you're dealing with a sporting surface, golfers, uh, right, committees, finance. But there is no shame in feeling better. And you're not helping yourself and you're not helping anybody around you, your employer or anybody else by putting yourself in a miserable position every day you know yeah for some people that means that maybe this isn't the job for them
0: that's a good point
1: that's a tough one right yeah for some people it means that you're gonna have to look at this and say i have to really approach this differently you know because in 10 years 20 years 15 years whatever if if i really want to still be doing what i'm doing i can't do it like this yeah you know and um, that's so important to me. And it's the thing that I keep saying to people, you know, and so then the last part of that thing is, okay, there's no shame in, in feeling better. There's damn sure no shame in asking for help. And there's tons of help out there. You know, you can start with the help of your peers, like what we're doing right now. You know, there are plenty of, I know everybody says, oh, the, you know, the system's all screwed up, whatever country you're in or whatever, but there's plenty of mental health professionals that care. There's a spiritual side to things that I think really helps a lot of people, you know, and if they, and if that's your bend, you know, good, that can make a big difference. But there has to be a willingness to say, I don't want to be like this. And, and I need help to figure out what those tools are to not be like this. And um, if I go back and talk to younger Dave, you know, when I was, you know, 25, 26, and really starting to kick it in. I wish I would have been able to say, you know, I'm. It, it's okay to take a day off. It's okay to take a quick vacation. It's okay, you know, to go talk to somebody about your stuff. It's okay to have friends outside the business. It's okay to have a hobby or something like that that has zero to do, you know, with turf grass. I mean, you're a runner, right? You yeah. know, that kind of thing.
0: A slow one, I mean, but
1: yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? It's something. Yes, right? it's and
0: completely so this, out of the... the
1: the work loop i think it's more of a gen x and maybe a boomer kind of thing or whatever but you know just being unidimensional and i only have one thing and there's only one thing that i do and you know that's dangerous man for some people that's super dangerous you get type a people who are involved in that deal it can really you know and and the sad part is is that there's some stories that i know about that i can't tell yeah you know for for various reasons about some people who have either washed out of the business or have just, you know, have just had to take themselves out of the game where it didn't have to happen. Yeah. And yeah. that and that is a shame. And, you know, nobody wants to talk about, of course, the ultimate, you know, the suicide thing. I mean, I'm so glad I screwed up my suicide attempts, you know, so that I could have this deal. Yeah. Um but man, there's that that has not been the case. We know about a few people who have ended their lives you know um over turf grass yes yeah and
0: when i think it, yeah the sad thing is it's, that not way, go, it's not going away is it that
1: but... you ended your life over the condition of a plains huh like it just it just doesn't when you step way back from it and have some perspective so if you're so close to the forest of the trees and you're not you know and you're not seeing those things in your life then it's time to get some help it really is and there's lots of it out there And there's no shame in doing it. So that's what I want to say, Stuart.
0: I think you've said it a few times, but I think the title of this um, podcast will probably be There Is No Shame in Feeling Better, Dave. Um, Dave, I look forward to working and chatting with you again. But for now, thank you for being a guest on Henry Weston's I'll Make the Podcast.
1: All right.